I got a little snot bubble right in the front of my face. <laughs> That's good. Need some Kleenex? <laughs> It's a good start. An auspicious beginning. From Boogie Land Media, this is On Carlson Drive, a dusty little dirt road of memories from the wit and whimsy of Wendy Bonifield. Today's episode, Camping. My dad and Harry were unlikely friends. As young men, a strong and lasting friendship formed between them. I do not know how the friendship began. They didn't grow up together or even live in the same town. The Salvation Army is what they had in common, and they communicated with one another by sending cassette tapes back and forth when they were not together. How I would love to hear some of those conversations. Unfortunately, they used the same cassette, taping over the previous conversation. We vacationed with them every year for as long as I can remember. Actually, before I can remember. My mom tells me about traveling in the mountains when she was pregnant with me and how car sick she would get needing to pull over every so often, and how she spent most of the time lying down in the car while everyone else hiked the trails. You didn't like riding in the car even in the womb, she said, a sign of things to come. I called them Uncle Harry and Barb, along with their two boys, Steve and Kevin. Steve, the same age as me, Kevin, the same age as my brother Dan, and Biscuit, their dog. She was a sweet dog and went on many camping trips with us. I never remember her being on a leash or tied up at all. She simply stayed where she was supposed to stay. Or she would wander off and come back smelling like a skunk or something equally as exciting. I don't know how long she lived, but it seemed like she was around for a long time. Vacations were mostly camping trips. Barb and Harry had the kind of camper with the soft sides, a pop-up camper it was called, because the middle would pop up out of the hard shell. Then all one had to do was flop open the sides, and voila, two full-size beds. I'm sure there was more to it than that. It didn't actually pop up without any help. I believe there was a lot of cranking that went with it, but I was a kid, so I didn't worry about that kind of stuff. We had lots of different trailers and tents over the years. However, the one I remember the most was a hard side trailer. It looked like a little bubble with a full-size bed for mom and dad. Dan slept on a hammock that hung above their bed and the table folded down into a bed for Lisa and me to sleep on. Although Lisa more often than not would sleep outside in this very cool green zipper enclosed hammock that was a holdover from my dad's Boy Scout days. Most of the time I was perfectly happy letting Lisa sleep outside in a flimsy hammock with only a few layers of material to protect her from the elements. Except this year I was older and maybe I didn't think it was fair 
that Lisa got to sleep in Dad's super cool hammock every year, and maybe I would like to have a turn this year now that I was older. Okay, fine, Lisa said. You'll chicken out anyway. It was settled. I was going to sleep in the hammock on this camping trip. Unfortunately, not long after the hammock sleeping arrangements were made, something happened that shook any of the already small amount of courage I had. This particular campground had a swimming pool. To get to the pool from our campsite, we had to follow a path through a wooded area. So we all set off to the pool, Steve and Kevin, Lisa, Dan, and me. I was trailing a little behind everyone for some reason. As I ran through the woods, I heard a whistle. I turned to look, and there, a few feet into the woods, was a man holding his coat open completely naked. I turned quickly and ran as fast as I could to catch up with my group. You guys, there was an old naked guy in the woods. Did you see him? None of them had seen him, and nobody believed me. But it shook me pretty good. Needless to say, I did not go through those woods again by myself. Still, when night came, I was determined to sleep in the hammock and prove my sister wrong. However, I could not get the picture of that terrifying naked old man in the woods out of my head. He was out there somewhere, not far from where I was sleeping. Nope, I'm not sleeping in this hammock. These flimsy few layers of material are not going to protect me from some crazy naked old man. It's all yours, Lisa. I didn't care if she thought I was a chicken. It wasn't all that comfortable anyway. I'll sleep on the table. Fortunately... I did not encounter any more naked old men on our camping trips. We did have a raccoon steal all our chocolate chip cookies once. That caused a sincere lament. Uncle Harry loved my mom's chocolate chip cookies. Well, we all did truthfully. Our favorite activity as kids on these camping trips was to prepare incredible entertainment for everyone around the evening campfire. We would do all kinds of skits or puppet shows or tableau with beautifully handcrafted paper bag puppets and some seriously good costume work of cutout paper animal ears and styrofoam cup crowns. Most of the time, we wrote our own stories. And I use the word wrote lightly here. Sometimes we would steal a camp skit we had seen somewhere else. Lisa, for the most part, stayed behind the scene as our director. Once in a blue moon she would perform, but mostly she would stay out of the limelight, preferring the job of bossy pants. I, of course, was the creative genius, coming up with the ideas for the shows. When I think about it now... I am amazed that Steve and Kevin and my brother Dan, these three boys, pretty much went along with whatever weird idea I came up with. I don't remember many of our creations. Pictures, of course, help. 
There is one where we are clearly all animals of some kind with the aforementioned paper animal ears, as well as I believe Kevin had a sock taped on his face, obviously portraying an elephant. There's no telling whether or not Kevin wanted to be an elephant, or as the youngest, we simply said, we are taping this sock to your face and you will be an elephant. I know we reenacted Washington crossing the Delaware. My mom made us all hats out of folded newspaper. I'm sure it was historically accurate. And I believe the idea came from the fact that my mom made us all hats out of newspaper. We never wrote out our scripts or anything, but we did practice them, happily keeping us busy for many hours, which for the more cynical among you might say is why our parents always encouraged us to keep the entertainment coming. Except these performances were legendary, still talked about today by those fortunate enough to have been in attendance. We all got along pretty well. Lisa was the odd man out, but I don't think she minded. She was happy to boss us around or or simply leave us to our own devices. Steve liked to throw out big words just to let me know he was smarter than me. He totally was, although he was obviously threatened by my creative genius. Anyone can throw out big words, but can you create theatrical masterpieces that thrill campfire audiences everywhere? Just saying. And since I am in the bragging mood here, my Uncle Harry thought I was pretty special. What can I say? He's a good judge of character. There is no question that Harry had in his mind that Steve and I should one day get married. He would make little comments about me not being part of their family yet. Oh, and I remember one very awkward photo session at sunset when Steve and I were barely teenagers, when Harry had us pose standing side by side or facing each other in front of the sunset. I love my Uncle Harry, but I was not going to marry Steve. We grew up together. It would be like marrying my cousin. Plus, we were so very different, it wasn't going to happen. Our camping trips ended around the time I was 12, when my mom and dad and Barb and Harry bought some land and built a cabin together. Originally, that is the story I started to write. Only, I couldn't jump right into the middle of the story of Barb and Harry. I had to start with our camping trips. So the story about the cabin, well, that will come next. Here at On Carlson Drive, we love good stuff. And we've decided that one of the things we wanted to do was to share some of the things that give us joy or make us happy. So today we want to share a website that we find inspirational and life-giving. It's a blog by our friend and poet, Esther Hewn. You can find her work at openhandsblog.com. It's a collection of poems written from Esther's perspective as she listens and responds to God. 
I believe somewhere deep down inside we are all seeking to fill our lives with things that are true and noble and right and admirable. Things that build us up. Openhandsblog.com is one of those things. Do yourself a favor and go rest in the poems of Esther Hume. We hope you love them like we do. Openhandsblog.com show. Well, I'd like to welcome my my Uncle Harry to our our show, and we're just going to have a good time talking. So welcome, Harry. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Wendy. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah. Well, my first question for you is, how did you and my dad actually meet and become friends? Well, we were visiting uh, Barbara's parents in Flint, and we went to the core. I just, just looked around, and there was a couple with two small children about the age of our kids who were sort of hanging around too. So I went up and talked to them and they happened to be your parents. Okay. And uh, so we just kind of talked, uh, you know, he plays euphonium. I played euphonium. Well, the comparison between his playing euphonium and my playing euphonium is not very direct. You know, I didn't, I did not know you actually, you played euphonium. I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> I say, I, well, I, I play euphonium, and I and I used to play in the Flint Citadel band as a solo euphonium. That's your claim to fame? Which is true, because one night on a summer, they were short of euphonium player, and I sat in and played the euphonium. Not very well, mind you, but <laughs> I did. It was true, but it just wasn't totally true. Well, you know, you sat in. You just weren't, you know, a permanent member, so that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> So, so the, this couple was there and we just talked and uh, I think I waited around long enough for them to invite us to your house for, for uh, something, you know. Yeah. Our two kids enjoyed their two kids. We just got along well and it was just kind of a nice, uh, it, just, uh, it just felt good. Okay. Now, see, I thought uh, that you guys met before we came along. It just seemed that I feel like I saw my mother and Barb pregnant at the same time in pictures. Now, they probably knew each other because we had visited Flint before. Yeah. But uh, that's my first memory of uh, how we actually got together and how we became friends. And so you guys just somehow <clears throat> clicked or yeah. did it take you a while to? I don't think so. We we enjoyed them. And uh, whether they enjoyed us or not, they invited us again. <laughs> and uh, so uh, we, we had a way of you know, making ourselves uh, invitable. Right. Uh, so. Well, I always thought that you and my dad were so very different from each other, but sometimes that makes the very best of friendships. Yeah, we are quite uh, quite uh, kind of opposite extremes of uh, of things. Uh, he's he he is brilliant in in uh, engineering and you know those kind of things, and I'm I'm okay with uh, getting along with people. Mm-hmm. And uh, that sort of is how we worked out our relationship over time. He was the technical person, and uh, I was uh, the people person. Like when we had cabin, when we ran the cabin, I did the people thing, and he did the uh, mechanical stuff. Yeah. So how how was it that you guys decided that uh, you were then going to go on vacations together? Because we, what I mean, many many years, we would be out camping somewhere. Right. So we were the core officers in uh, Cadillac, Michigan. And so we invited uh, your parents 
to come over and do the meetings for us. Okay. You know, it just seemed to click for us. So while we were there talking about, uh, you know, when are, we, when are we going to get together again? Well, we said, well, what are you doing this summer? We both had campers. That The only decision was where would we go? So we worked that out and it, it just seemed like it was a fun thing to do, to go together on, on the vacations. Yeah. Do you remember where that first camping trip was? I'm thinking it's New York and Barbara is remembering New York. New York. And uh, not the city, but uh, the, the Finger Lakes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, above, above in the northern part. And it's a beautiful area. We decided that uh, that would be where we would go uh, first. Sure. First adventure. That's a long trip yeah. with, with little ones in the car. Right. I don't remember that one, obviously. I have a couple of pictures of us uh, there. And one of the one of the pictures is uh, with your dad and I both having hair. <laughs> <laughs> From this vantage point, we both look funny with hair. I don't remember you not having hair, but I don't ever remember my dad having hair. Oh, okay. So, you know, I think you kept yours a little bit longer than he did. At one time, I had a I had long hair and a, a beard and mustache and all that sort of stuff. Ooh, so. long hair! That'd be good yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I need a picture of that. I have one hanging on my wall, as a matter. Oh, of do fact. you really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like every summer we spent a camping trip with you guys, growing up with Steve and Kevin, throwing rocks in the pond and chasing swans. <laughs> yeah. Of course, <clears throat> all of our. Um, our little shows around the campfire. We spent a lot of time on those. You're right. It is. It was a, a way to keep you busy because there wasn't <laughs> always everything to do. You know, uh, you weren't into climbing mountains or you know swimming was okay, but uh, we couldn't always swim. And uh, right. and you'd enjoyed it. It kept us occupied. That's for sure. Yeah, and Lisa did become the director. Yeah, she's always been in charge, so you know we had to give her the director spot. Just so long as I could be the star, that's what counts. <laughs> <laughs> and that seemed to work out well. The boys were not uh, very star material. No, uh, they, they usually did what we told them to do. Yeah, yeah, they did. Uh, they were they were obedient. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> now I was trying to think about the various um, tents and campers we had. The one I remember as when I was little that we had a couple of tents and then we got that uh, little, that camper. I don't, I, I don't remember us having a, a tent. I remember us having a cabin. Or you a camper, had that little pop-up camper or whatever that, you know, the two sides folded out. That's what I remember from you guys. Yeah. And you had a, uh, you had a couple of tents. Yeah. Maybe, maybe even three. I remember a, a Dan sleeping in one, uh, <laughs> I don't know why, except that we were we were left in charge of Dan one time. Oh, he had bitten uh, our boys a couple of times. Yeah, he was I a told, biter. I told your dad about it, and then um, we they you were all gone, and uh, I I may have been there just with the boys, and Dan bit one of the boys again. Oh dear! So you won't tell your parents this, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so I I spanked Dan. Yeah. And uh, I remember him going in the tent and sulking, you know, and crying. Sure. But when he came out, he and I were best friends, and he never bit the boys again. All right. And we got we got along really well after that. I only had to say to him, Dan, don't do that. 
And uh, he didn't do it. It was a barrier that I don't know that I intended to get over, but it was, it was we, we were now friends and we could talk huh. and we could do things together. And he wasn't going to be an obnoxious little boy in our presence. And so it, it seemed to work really well. But don't tell him and don't tell your mother. Yeah, well, okay, I won't tell them. <laughs> yeah, because I, I would get in trouble, you see. Right, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure Dan doesn't remember being spanked. He'd been spanked many a times in his <laughs> lifetime. <laughs> but only once by me. Well, that's true, yeah. But it yeah. seemed to do the trick. So It did. It yeah. did. When yeah. uh, Dan is your friend, he is a loyal friend, that's for sure. And I, I see him as my friend today, too. Yeah. Those were fun camping times. And we spent, we'd gone to... Uh, Oh gosh, I don't even I I remember the one I remember the most, I think, other than going to my grandparents' cabin was I want to say Valley Forge. Yeah. Yeah, we came out here Santa Claus Village. Oh yeah, I just, remember that. Just down the road from where we live. Yeah. Okay. Now, didn't we go to Philadelphia on the Centennial? Okay. And we were afraid that it was going to be overcrowded with people, but when we got there, there were uh, very few people. Is that and right? And we went I have pictures of the Liberty Bell. Yeah. And uh, I think Gettysburg and some of those Civil War kinds of places. Sure. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. I remember that now, now that you say that. And and I'm not sure if it's just because I remember seeing the picture of us putting our little fingers in the crack in the Liberty Bell. But there were lots of uh, campgrounds probably that were just rather nondescript. Yeah. And you you remember when the uh, what we thought was a bear was getting our chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> But it was really a raccoon that got it. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I love that picture. I I can see the picture in my head where we're where we're all just standing around <laughs> the empty container at the edge of the wood. Right, no, right. No that, more. That's chocolate. in my mind too. <laughs> we thought it was a bear. Yeah, we didn't we didn't know what it was, but it was grunting and all that, and we just didn't know what it was. Okay, so we heard we heard the uh, theft. I suppose if we thought it was a bear, we weren't going to go out and challenge the bear. You go ahead and eat those cookies, bear. Yeah, that would be true. <laughs> a raccoon, we may have taken it on, but not a bear. Yeah. It seemed like it was the we had put the stuff underneath the camper and uh, just kind of put stuff out of the way. Yeah. And he uh, just came and uh, just took, you know, helped himself. I, I'm so I'm assuming it's a he. It could have been a she too. Right, yeah. I mean, equally, they both like chocolate chip cookies. But who doesn't right, like chocolate right. chip cookies? That's right, right. So um, I say something about you guys communicating with each other uh, through cassette tape. How did that start? Telephones were expensive. That's true. But we wanted to talk to each other and get our thoughts on each on things. Yeah. So I think we just decided to uh, try it and see if it worked. So I think I sent your dad the first uh, tape, mm -hmm. and then he listened to it, and he responded. And we did that for a very long time. Oh, yeah. And his insights were always helpful to me because we had responsibilities that I needed his kind of input into. Sure. I, I'd raise a question and, you know, something that I was dealing with. I came to value his uh, insight and opinion and views. And yeah. uh, so it was uh, very, very helpful to me uh, all the way through you know, our growth as, as officers in the Army. Sure. And uh, in various positions that uh, I found myself in. He always had good insight. Yeah, he did. Mind you, he wasn't always right. <laughs> he, you know, you I'm know, sure he, he, he thought he was right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when we were in Eastern Europe, he and I did this as well. 
And I remember being in a, a hotel in U- uh, Kiev, U- Ukraine. Yeah. There was no heat in the hotel. And I, I had my uniform and my uniform coat and my uniform shoes and everything on. And I was in bed and I was talking to him. And he said that was one that he just lamented that uh, he did not keep that one. Very, very valuable to him, he said. Uh, but we just taped over it. Yeah, we just don't think about those kinds of things when you're in the middle of it, right? You don't think, oh, yeah. much later, I will really will love to hear these tapes and would love to still hear his voice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, oh, <laughs> Randy says you should share a beautiful memory of me. I'm not so sure. <laughs> okay. Uh, Okay. I will. Part of that at that early attraction to uh, the family was there this little girl, and she was cute. That was true, but there was just something about her that I uh, particularly liked. Hmm. Lisa was more uh, demanding and more in charge, yeah. and she had to have her way, and that was okay because she was uh, growing up. But there was this little girl that uh, just had something special about her. Her personality was very uh, satisfying to everybody. People liked her. She had this uh, quality in her that just kind of drew you to her. And um, you wanted to be a part of that personality. I saw that little girl grow up. And I thought, as you may know, uh, I I took a number of pictures thinking I I could use this at a wedding. (laughs) That uh, would be a a great, uh, they grew up together kind of thing. She just had that unusual quality about her that uh, just satisfied people and you felt good about being in her presence. And she made you feel good about yourself, mm-hmm. even though she didn't necessarily have to pay attention to you. She just she just made you feel good about being around her. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of uh, was very enamored by her as she grew up. And truth be told, I guess I, I think I still am. Oh, so, that's so special. Uh, Thank you, Harry. I'm kind of mad at uh, Randy because he kind of <laughs> got you, you know. I, but I understand. I understand. I understand. But uh, I thought I was, maybe uh, you would have forgiven him by now. Oh uh, well, I, I like him. Yeah. <laughs> it, it it was a perplexing time when I did your wedding. You know. Yeah. Here I am. This is not the way it's supposed to be. <laughs> I was happy for him. And I was happy for you, too, because I knew that you loved him and you loved yeah. each other. Well, um, you are a special person in my life, so I, you, I really wanted you to do that wedding. But I think I did kind of know it was a little bit of conflict of interest for you. <laughs> and I didn't care. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, you, you, did, you did well, Randy, and, and you, have, uh, you have appreciated who she is. And to what you know, your your life together. But you knew she was special, and uh, I was I was very happy about that. Oh, good. Well, thank you. I like I said, you guys, you guys have always been very special to me, and you just continue to be. So, thank you so much. Our pleasure. This episode of On Carlson Drive was produced for Boogieland Media by Randy and Wendy Bonifield and distributed through our friends at podbean.com. All stories were written, edited, and narrated by Wendy Bonifield. All original music and music arrangements are written and performed by Randy Bonifield. 
Remember to subscribe, and please like, add, friend, and review this podcast wherever you find us. Follow On Carlson Drive on Facebook and Instagram at username On Carlson Drive. And be sure to visit our website at OnCarlsonDrive.com. Special thanks to all our friends and families who, unbeknownst to them, were writing the stories we tell simply by living them. Join us in two weeks for a new episode. Until then, thank you for listening to On Carlson Drive.